Father, we praise you and we thank you. We honor your goodness. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that the greatest chain breaker ever recorded in history were the words, it is finished. How that destroys every yoke, every bondage, every chain, every fetter falls off of us. And we thank you for that, Father. I'm praying uh, right now that you begin to draw not only the body of Christ to that reality, but the uh, people that have not made that decision to come to Christ to that finished work reality, that this is not just a religious place that we gather, but we gather because we have the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. We have a daddy that loves us, that sees us as so precious. And I want to thank you, Father, that you don't count our failures against us. You don't count our sins against us. You don't count our shortcomings and our attitude against us. You love us just the way we are. We don't have to perform to get you to love us more. That is not a message we hear in the natural realm, but it is a spiritual message that comes out of the it is finished message from Jesus. So thank you, Father. There's nothing we need to do to make ourselves more right, more acceptable in your eyes. Jesus did it all on the cross in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We're going to receive your giving in just a moment here. Can I just kind of talk from my heart this morning? Can I do that okay? I remember that in the late 1950s, they began to experiment with something called subliminal messages. Subliminal means below or beneath the threshold of conscious perception. In other words, consciously, I may not be aware of what's going on in another room, but if there's a volume coming out of that room, if there's an activity coming out of that room, my subconscious mind hears every single word. It knows exactly what's going on. That is the subconscious mind. It is so powerful, very powerful, more powerful than any computer on the planet. So they began to experiment with subliminal messages, and the first experiment with it was in a movie called Picnic, starring Kim Novak. But they didn't tell the public about this. Back then, of course, you'd go to the drive-in theater to see movies, right? And in that movie, as they would play it, every few seconds, they would flash on the screen, drink Coca-Cola, and eat popcorn. Nobody saw it with the conscious mind because it went by so fast. But the subconscious mind picked it up every single time. And popcorn sales and Coca-Cola sales went through the roof. And that was their intent to see what can we do to manipulate people into buying more product. Well, the public was totally oblivious to this. Nobody caught it because, again, just it went by so quick. But it worked because, remember, the subconscious misses nothing. When America found out about that, the people were absolutely outraged. They were just so mad about that because they felt like they had been manipulated into doing something. That same manipulation exists today. Satan's uh, very crafty. The Bible says even back in the garden that it called him a subtle creature, that he moves in a crafty way. In other words, below the radar so you can't see him. And so that's been going on even from the garden, manipulating people's minds so that he can get them to follow his agenda, if you will. This is why it's so important for us to know the truth. Doesn't the scriptures tell us that you shall know the truth and the truth shall? There you go. You know that scripture. If you don't have the truth on the inside of you, then you have nothing to set you free. Does that make sense? I mean, you have no default system. You have nothing to measure activity against when it comes in. And a lot of people operate based on emotions. They have no truth to measure it against. And as a result, we follow subtle voices, and it's gotten us to where we are 
currently in everything we're seeing right now. Now listen, Jesus said it's finished. That means he's going to have the final say. But that doesn't mean we won't have to walk through some issues of life, right? I mean, we've been walking through them, not just for the last few months, but I think all of us can point to times in our life where either as individually or as a family or maybe a church body or, or maybe a nation, we've had to walk through some stuff. On September 2nd of 1945, something really powerful happened on that day. Do you remember what it was? World War II ended on that day. For six years and one day, they had fought in World War II. We lost about 450,000 of our men and women. There were 550 or so women that uh, were killed uh, in that war as well. That's a lot of people that will go and fight for the honor of this country and the safety of this country and the safety of the world. All the wars we get into are not just directly for our own safety, but it's because we care about the world. And you should care about your people. The scriptures in Matthew 25 says, if I was in prison, you should have come and visit me. If I needed a glass of water, you should have given me a glass of water. If I needed food, you should have given me food. You know, I mean, that's the heart of Christ. Christ is the one who's talking and saying those things. When the war ended, 16 million veterans came home. And then something happened. Children began to <laughs> multiply. <laughs> you ever heard of the baby boomers? I guess I would be considered a baby boomer. Anything for up to, I think, about 1964 as a baby boomer. Children began to be birthed at a rate that was unprecedented. You have 16 million men that have been gone for a while, right? Most of them had families. Some of them would have left with children, but many of them were very, very young. They had no children, so they came home and began to procreate and replenish the earth. And There were a lot of children that were born. And so what happened is, out of all those children that were born during the baby boomer years, which were about 70 million, what happened is, is they began to inch their way toward graduation, and then college. And when it came time for college, for the first multiple millions of them that were 18 years old, we found ourselves in this country with a new problem. We didn't have enough professors for all the people that wanted to go to college. And so what they did is they took the people that were just graduating and they had to make them professors. We needed tens of thousands of professors. And they just were not available. So the ones that were recent graduates became professors. At the time when this happened, even in the realm of college professors, you have some that are somewhat to the left and some that are somewhat to the right. And there's usually somewhat of a balance. And that's the way it should be in every arena of life. There should be some sort of balance. And back then, there was a decent balance. But as we began to grow and go further and further into this where we are now, it finally got to the point where it became about 50 off to the left, radical, to about one on the conservative side. And all the radical voices literally squelch the voices that are on the conservative side. And they will shun you. They will demean you. They will shut you down. 
And I've seen enough debates on television when you bring a voice like a Ben Shapiro or somebody in there to debate at a college. And I've seen the voices of our college kids today. I hear the arrogance in their voice. There's no substitute for experience. And what do you know at 18? What do you know at 19? What do you know at 20? I thought I knew something back then. I look back now and go, I didn't know a thing. My mama used to say, you weren't even dry behind the ears. How many of you heard that one from your mama? I used to think, dry behind the ears? What does that mean? You're green, brother. You're very green. For the last many, many years now, last 20, 30 years, it's been not so much about the education as it's been about the propaganda of a political activist. And this is what the professors are sowing into the hearts of our children. So now I understand when I see the activity on television and I see the mixture of the age group, I've noticed that it's all between like 18 and, and 30, almost all of that violent activity. So as I've been ministering over the last couple of times, I've been talking about the problem we have with fatherlessness. So it starts there. You see, the father is supposed to sow truth and sow framework and Christ into hearts. Take the father out of the home for just a moment. You know you got a problem, right? Now let's take it one step further and let's take Christ out of the home. Let's take the scriptures out of the home. I'm not trying to refresh where I've been, but you understand the progression. And that's why they call it the progressive movement. You've taken the fathers out of the home. You've taken Christ. You've taken the scriptures out of the home. And then when they grow up and they want to go to these prestigious schools like Harvard and Yale and uh, Columbia University, all these major schools, you send your children off to a school that is going to turn that child. And I've seen kids before they went to school and after they went through school, they come out with a totally different attitude because that professor has taken and indoctrinated those kids with a propaganda of a political activist agenda. And this is what we have now. And so it troubles me because I say, Daddy, how do we stop this? How do we reverse this? I love America. I'll never stop loving America. I love people. I'll never stop loving people. Daddy, I don't want America to radically change. So, Daddy, how do we change our culture? It's moving in a direction right now where monuments are being torn down and prestigious colleges are changing so rapidly. As easy as it was for them to begin to patiently sow this into our children's heart, now they've raised up a generation of millions strong that are violent toward the power that's in place right now, violent toward the country, people that hate America because these ideologies have been sown into their hearts. I know this doesn't sound real spiritual this morning. I'm not trying to be this way. But I'm at the same time trying to say, this is why we stand here. We don't have to come here to minister. We come here because we're called to ministry. And we're not just called to this little body right here. We're called to the world. And the world is listening in. And hopefully we can change somebody's life out there somewhere. Because unless there is a truth and grace that is sown into the hearts of people, there'll not be any change. We're moving in a way that will take us further and further away. So as I've been saying, we must absolutely pray. We must release this gospel of grace and truth into people's hearts and lives and do what we can. Listen to Papa, live this Christian life with the values that we have and begin to impact 
in any way we can. Sometimes it's with finances, sometimes it's in other ways. But this is what we're faced with today. If you wondered, how did we get here? Where did all these people come from? Because we're seeing something we haven't seen quite like this before. Our responsibility is just to continue to live this Christian life. Don't be ashamed of this gospel. Don't be timid about it. Paul, right into Timothy, told him, you know, don't be timid about this, Timothy. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you notice what he gave him? He gave him dunamis power, Holy Ghost power, spirit-filled power, power, and then it's interesting, he would say, and love. There's your power too, right there, love. And a sound mind, a mind that has not been led astray by erroneous doctrine, a mind that has not been led astray by the propaganda of the men and women that do not represent the heart of the Father. Amen? So as we have opportunity to do good and opportunity to sow into the kingdom of God, let us do so. Amen? Father, we praise you. We thank you. We honor you. We thank you, Father, that absolutely you do have a way of calming every storm. We want to thank you, Father, that the birds don't even worry about where they're going to get their food at. The Bible just says they just sing. They don't worry about anything. The lily doesn't dance. It doesn't have to spin. It doesn't have to toil. It just grows and grows. It knows what it's designed for. It's designed just for beauty. It's designed to show your handiwork. It's designed to bring forth a something that blesses someone else. It's not disappointed when it's clipped and put in a vase, Daddy, because it realizes, thank you. If a rose or a, a lily could talk, and we were to cut them and put them in a vase and take them inside, it would say, thank you a million times over. This is what I was made for. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that we have a foundation of grace and truth. And as Valerie comes this morning, she will continue to build upon this foundation of grace and truth as it's sown into our heart. In Jesus' name.